Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. We've been in the series, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to take a pause on that today, and we're going to be in Psalm 34 this morning. So if you can uh, stand with me uh, when you find Psalm 34, and we'll read it together as a family, amen? So as I thank Pastor Derek, I also have to thank my wife, my family, because in order to do this, it takes time, and uh, they have afforded me the time to study and just prepare this, uh, all so that we can see Jesus more clearly. Amen? So if you have found Psalm 34 with me, would you say amen? Awesome. Look at that. We are ready. Family, we are going to go through the whole psalm. This is a conversation. Think of this as a conversation with a big brother uh, that has experienced some life. Amen? And that is how we are going to read this. This psalm comes from David and it reads as so. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look, at, uh, look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and deliver them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lion suffers want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Children, oh, oh, children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears towards their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. That is the very word of God out of Psalm 34. Would you pray with me, church? God, we thank you this morning that you have given us an opportunity to look at you, to gaze and put our eyes, our affection, and our attention on you. This psalm comes with the reality of living in affliction. And I would go on the edge to say there is many of us in here living through affliction. 
Would you be with us this morning? Would you decrease me so that you can increase God? Let this be a word that grabs hold of our hearts and gives us truth in possibly some of the darkest moments of our life. This is your word, so it is good for us, God. So give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to believe your truth as we walk through Psalm 34. We thank you for this opportunity to know you more, God. We pray this all in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen and amen. Church, would you have a seat? This is, once again, as I said, a very personal psalm that God has been walking me through. Uh, Before we get a little bit more into that and just kind of seeing what our big brother David is trying to show us this morning, um, let me ask a question. Have you ever heard of the old adage, there is no such thing as bad days, just bad attitudes? Well, to Mr. Positivity, let me ask you a question. How do you tell a mother who has multiple little children that has had their kids at home for two weeks because of a teacher strike that there's no bad day? I I wait for it because I won't tell them that. Or or honestly, how do you tell the person that has uh, struggled to find a job despite their educational background? How do you tell them that there's no bad days? How do you tell the person that is continuously being hurt by friends, by, by family, by spouses, maybe even work relationships, how do you tell them that there is no such thing as bad days? Or what about the person that gets a little bit more personal? What about the person that struggles with body image issues or physical abilities, what they can and can't do? How do you tell them that there is no such thing as bad days? Truth be told, there are bad days. I I, I will attest to this. I have gone through some bad days. And bad days are riddled with affliction. The pain and suffering, the things that wear and tear and pull us down that make that day feel impossible. So there are bad days, but we have to ask ourselves a question this morning. Because if I look across the room, I would argue and say that there are many seasoned people that know affliction all too well and have called it a good friend. Is that you this morning? I have. And because I know there's bad days and because I know there's affliction, then my question is, and ask it to yourself as well, how are you doing with your affliction? Afflictions make the day bad. We know we're going to have them, but how are you doing with your affliction? Maybe you're here this morning and you've never, you're not the church goer, you don't go to church, but you're here because affliction is so real, you are searching for an answer. If that's you, welcome. Take a seat next to somebody that is going through some affliction, and I'm sure you guys will actually realize how close you guys are without even knowing each other. Or maybe you're here and you have been going to church and you've been a part of a body and you've trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but affliction is still happening, and so much so that your affliction is beginning to control you and make you act not like yourself. Or maybe affliction has gotten the best of you where you are now isolating yourself and you are no longer looking to be a part of community. Where are you? Or your affliction has hurt you so deep that it is actually making you angry that you are now becoming an affliction to somebody else. 
We got to be honest. Or maybe, and there's many more, but maybe you've walked in and your affliction is so real to you that it has paralyzed you. It has made you feel numb to life to the point you're just existing. You may have not even known what day it was if it weren't sitting here today on this Sunday because it's church. You're just existing. Where are you with your affliction? Maybe you're doing good. Maybe you are like, listen, I I get it. We go through affliction, but affliction is not really messing with me right now. So I'm, I'm in a good space. Do not check out then because there is something for you as well. If you are in a good space and affliction is not grabbing hold of you, maybe you need to hear this and learn something so that you can empathize with somebody else that is in affliction. Learn how to love them in their low place. Or maybe this is something you take and you bookshelf it because affliction's gonna come. And it may not be hitting you now, but when it does, what are you gonna hold on to? And I'm hoping that as we walk through this text, as we go into Psalm 34 with this conversation with our big brother David, we are actually going to be blessed. He is going to invite us in to how to live a life with affliction. But it's gonna get uncomfortable, family. He is going to invite us in. This psalm was written in a time where affliction was very real to David. He was actually writing this at a time where he stood before a king that wanted to kill him. Affliction? I would say so. So as we look, we meet David, and this is his opening line. I will praise the, I will bless the Lord at all times. Are you sure you're going through something, David? Because I know when I go through some hard times, when I'm in affliction, it's, it, it can be hard. It can be hard to bless God. I'll praise him. It'll be continuously on my mouth. My soul makes the boast in the Lord. Man, this is, you're, you're I, don't, I don't know if David understands. David is in affliction and this is his response. And it gets a little bit more personal because now he's going to invite us. He says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Yeah, come with me and let us exalt his name together. We are seeing how David responded in his time of affliction. That doesn't seem very to our modern liking, if I can be honest. 10, 10, 15 years ago, the church would have said, this is the only response. Go and and I don't know what you're going through, but you need to stand up, praise God, lift your hands, give him everything, take your mind off of your, what you're going through and just give it all to God and never caring about the hurt of the person. And now where we stand as a church, the modern church, I would say, is on the complete pendulum swing where we say, no, 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 you don't know my heart. You don't know where I'm at. Do not tell me to do anything because before you tell me to do something, why don't you see where I'm at? Jackie Hill Perry, at a, uh, she's a spoken word artist, and recently she was at a conference, and she said something really profound that I was like, man, made me snap my fingers, right? She said the church is, is at a place where we are okay with talking about our struggle now. We all in this room have struggles and we are getting to a place where we're like, let's talk about it because that's not okay to, be, uh, uh, to act like we're not okay. So let's, let's be real about that. 
But the problem we're running into is we never get outside of that anymore. We just stay with our affliction. If that was David, at that moment, he would have, he would have stopped. He wouldn't have even said that. He would have been, Lord, I am your anointed. You chose me. You said you were going to use me. And now I'm running for my life. What are you doing? That's not his response. So I don't think David is saying you need to just forget about what you're going through, nor is he saying just sit in your mess. He's actually bringing us to some truth. Who are are you, David, to tell us these things? David goes on in verses four through seven, and he's gonna give us some credentials. Because if I'm gonna listen to you, I'm not gonna listen to somebody that hasn't been through something. I'm I'm not gonna listen to my child that hasn't been through some struggles to say, Dad, you need, to, you, need to, you need to get through it. Oh, really? You know struggle? You t- tell me about your struggle, you know? Can't find your crayons? Like, what, what, what's your struggle? What are you going to tell me to get over, right? David is calling us to love and put God first and to exalt his name, to praise him, to make the most of our God despite his affliction. And he can say this because he has some credentials. Four through seven says what? It says he sought, right? I'm just going to take the chunk. I'm not going to walk verse by verse, but follow me. It says that he sought the Lord, that he looked for him. It says that he cried out. It says that he feared the Lord. And in in light of all of his afflictions and his mess and, and everything that was weighing him down, him being God's anointed man that would one day be the successor to Israel, being loved by many and finding favor in battle. This is the David that we're talking about. He has tasted some things already and he's like, all right, God, you're up to something. And it shifts. And the guy that he's supposed to replace now wants to kill him. And then he runs from him, leaves his family, leaves his wife. I can't leave my wife, y'all. I love me, my wife. I need her. I will fall apart. He had to leave his wife and goes in front of a king in another land that he thought he was going to be safe in and realizes, I've actually killed many of your men and you are realizing who I am. And now you want to kill me. He knows what affliction is, yet he sought him. He looked to him. He feared him. He cried out, and the Lord answered. This isn't just a good idea. The Lord delivered him from all his trouble. The Lord saved him from all his fears. He has some room to invite us. Would you agree? David is so sure that he is inviting you into something. He's going to stress it. And we find what what David wants us to really take away in verses 8 through 10. Watch as he's talking to us. Our big brother says, after showing you what you need to do and and to, to come into doing what he is doing, why he has done it and how God has answered, he makes it really clear. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you, his saints. If you believe, then that is you. That is me. I don't know if David, I don't know if David under, maybe he does understand our affliction. 
Maybe he is a man afflicted that has run to God. Let's not forget the question I asked in the opening. Where are you with your affliction? David is clear on what he wants us to do. He says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear him, you saints. For those who fear him have no lack. I've, I've felt lack in my time of affliction. I have felt like you were not there, God. I felt like I didn't have enough to make it through. Fear him, for you will have no lack. The young lion suffers want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. So if you find yourself in affliction today, there's an invitation, an open invitation to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Because what is the, the opposite? What's the opposed? Staying where we are and allowing our afflictions to grab hold of us. We will fear something. That fear is a reverence and all a respect of something. What do you fear? Will you fear the Lord or will you fear your afflictions? Both of those bear fruit. You be the judge of that. We have to judge ourselves. I judged myself as I, this is a psalm that has been personally ministering to me, and I have found myself in this season of my life wanting to just do nothing. That paralyzed feeling of just, I'm just gonna exist. I'm just gonna go through my day. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel it, God. I don't know where you are. I'm just, I'm just gonna bask in my pity. I feared my affliction more than I feared my Lord. And someone that is working through that day in and day out, I'm gonna encourage you guys, take advantage of this invitation. An invitation means everything, right? Depending who it's coming from. Follow me, church, right? If I invited you to a birthday party and you don't know me, you ain't coming to my birthday party, <laughs> right? But... If your icon, your role model, someone you, you reverence, you have a respect for, sends you an invitation, it begins to immediately affect your life. You do things in regards to that invitation. Okay, let me mark it off on the calendar. Let me make sure what kind of attire is it? What am I going to wear? Who am I going to take? Man, this is going to be a good time. Man, who am I going to see? You begin to get in this place where you respond to that invitation because of who sent it. And this morning, I want to remind you, God, through our big brother David, because we're, we're having a conversation this morning with him, is inviting us in to lean on our God. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, that invitation, like I said, comes with instructions, right? We understand invitations that don't have instruction, time, place, location. Why did you send me that? Because I'm just confused now. This invitation comes with instruction, and we see that from verses 11 through 14. But you may be in this room, and you're asking yourself, who, who is he really inviting? He, he, this cannot be for me. Class is in session, and Professor David walks in, and he says, take a seat. Who are you talking to, Professor? Anyone here that wants to have a good life, an abundant life, a, a life filled with joy. Anybody here want that? 
If you don't raise your hand, I'm, I'm going to tell you you're a liar and you need to repent. We all want that. So before he gives us instruction, he lets us know exactly who he's talking to. Yes, you that are afflicted, or if you're not in affliction, but if you want the good life, if you want joy and abundance and happiness as we all do, take a seat. Let me teach you what it means to fear the Lord. Our big brother just became our teacher. In Psalm 34, as we're walking through this, we get to see him in a different light now. We're like, okay, all right, you, you, you've, you've gone through some things. I give you that. I'm not sure on how, but you're starting to open my eyes. You're starting to show me what I need to do. I'll take a seat with you. But he is going to require us or ask us to do something. I'll ask you this morning, are you ready to do something in your time of affliction? Are you going to stay there, live in it, allow it to control you, or are you willing to take some instruction? David teaches us what the fear of the Lord is, and normally if you are a Bible scholar, which all of you are, I know you theologians, we know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, right? Right? So we're thinking, okay, you're going to teach us some things to do. That's actually not what David does. He actually says, let's look at your life. He goes into it and he says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. What does your speech look like in your time of affliction? Well, if it's me in my time of affliction, I'm probably complaining a lot more than I should be. David is telling us, let our mouth be filled with praise, like he said in the beginning, right? My mouth will continually be filled with his praise. I will exalt him. Are your words gospel-saturated? Are your words focused on the truth rather than the lies? Are you speaking life or death? What do your words look like? All right, man, I got to change the way I talk. Okay, all right, I can, I can work on that, bro. I can work on that, Professor David. No, 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 that's not it, though. What does your actions look like now? He goes on and he says in verse 14, turn away from doing evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. What does your life look like? If it's to affliction, you're, you're, you're harming yourself, you're harming people by a number of different things. I'll let you fill in those blanks, right? Our actions are, are, are moved towards things that look less like God and more that look more like our hurt, right? The way we act and treat and, and go about living looks more like we are hurt than we are healed because of God. So what David is saying, what, what does your speech look like? And what does your action look like? Because if, it's, if, it's, if you are fearing the Lord, if you respect the Lord, then your mouth would be filled with praise and it will speak truth and your actions will be, a, a, it will be in line with what he says. That means that you will live a life of obedience despite how you feel. God, that hurts. Church, I, I, I say this honestly. I'm, I'm preaching to myself right now. 
That is a hard truth to hold on to. I will live in such a way to obey God despite the way I feel. That means I will give of my time and my talents and my treasure despite the pain and suffering I find myself in. That is so counterintuitive to our culture today. I told you this isn't easy. I hear you. That's good. All right, I, I, that, that worked for you, David. And, and you're asking, you're starting to ask a lot of me right now. Like, what, wh- why would I do this? Why would I do this? I need you to be honest with me. Like, he did that for you, but why would I do this? And he's very clear because there's an outcome for this. When we fear the Lord, verses 15 starts and it says, the eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous. His ears towards their cry. It's starting to get personal now. The same thing that happened for David, he is saying as you live this way is actually going to happen to you. And I'm, I'm, I know it's not easy. The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears towards their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut them off from the memory from the earth. God is contrasting. Those that belong to me, there's a whole different outcome. It's very different than just looking at somebody and saying, what about their life? There's a difference when you belong to him. And he's going to make it clear. He says, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Your God knows where you are. This morning, if you feel alone and isolated, if you feel paralyzed and numb, if you feel angry and disconnected, can I tell you, your God knows where you are. As you trust him, he makes it clear that he he sees you. He hears you. When that pain gets so real and you cry out, his ear is towards you. And if you don't know him and you feel like he's been distant, this is an invitation to come close because this is for his children, those that belong to him. And it's an invitation to say, come, if you've experienced affliction, come and, come and be mine. Your God is near. I love that. Because in pain and affliction, it feels like he can be so far. But the truth be it that The reason why I feel that is usually because my eyes are so far from him. I'm around the proximity of it. I'm close enough for people to say, oh yeah, I see you at church. But the personal relationship I'm having with God at that moment is probably very skewed and disconnected. Our God sees where we are. He cares for us in our time of affliction. He knows you. He hears you. He sees you pain and all, and he says, he will save us. He will save us. God, do you mean it? We have been hurt by promises before, but God, do you mean it? 
And I love how God knows us so well because he ends all of this speaking directly to our heart. If you don't know this, God is very real, meaning he, he, he gets to the nitty and gritty of our heart, right? Maybe you haven't experienced that, but let me show you how he is. He has given us David to encourage us to live this way, to talk this way, because he has gone through some things and he has lived this way. He has sought him and looked after him and feared him and he has been delivered and he encourages us to come and taste and see that the Lord is good and you will be blessed if you take refuge in him. But how do I do that? Because the way you do that is by the way you speak and the way you act when you have a reverence for the Lord. When you fear and respect God, your life will be affected by it. And he tells us that he will be close, he will see us, he will hear us. He knows exactly where you are, pain and all, and he will save us. And he wants you to know it so much that he comes down to our heart level and meets us there. And he says, let me be honest with you. Let me make it completely clear. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. You're going to go through some things. I, I, we too often think as, as believers, as Christians, because our God is a good God, then our life should look like a good life that we want. That'll hit somebody later. Too often we look and say, you are a good God, so my life should look good the way I think it should look good. And God says, No. You're actually going to go through some pain and suffering. But, oh man, I'm so excited for this but. Thank God for, his, for this but, that clause in there. Amen? Because it says, although, right? Although you're going to go through this pain and suffering, the Lord, put it on his name. Okay. It's not even on David's lane. David's going to help you through it. It's not that at all. He's saying, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. That's a promise. That is a promise this morning. You know pain all too real. And God is making a promise that he will deliver you out of them. How do I know this, though? You, I'm, I'm going through this, so it's hard to believe that God gave us a guarantee God gave us a guarantee, and this is how he ends it. And he says, he'll keep all the bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. For one, he is going to care for and take care of. The other that does not know him, does not care for him, and living for their affliction and living in their affliction, that will kill them. But for the one that belongs to me, the Lord redeems the life of his servant. Come on. The Lord redeems. You know what he said? No one that puts their faith in me will be let down. We as a church get this beautiful doctrine called the perseverance of the saints. That means you who believe God is good and gracious to you to make sure you make it to the end, not because of who you are, but because of who he is. God knows our heart and he meets us there. And he says, I, I want you to know that I'm going to make sure you get there to the end. Why? How can you trust me? Because 
None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. If I don't know you, God, if I have not trusted you, my life is condemned because I have to stand before a perfect and just God with a life filled with sin. But the reason why I can stand and say you're good for your word is because you showed me already that you have sent your son, Jesus, to this earth to live a perfect life, die the death that I deserve because of those sins, and then raise from the grave so that I can actually have a relationship with you and be in right standing because of you. You have guaranteed me that I will make it through my affliction. How do I know? Because you've given me your son, you've given me the truth of the gospel. Jesus' perfect life, his death for me, substitutional uh, penalty paid for me, and the resurrection that makes me right so that I can be your son, so that you can be his son or daughter. That's a guarantee that you will not be condemned and that there is a future glory that awaits us. In your time of affliction, what do you fear? Do you fear the Lord or do you fear your affliction more? This morning as we close, there is an open invitation to take your eyes off of your affliction and put them on your assurance. There is an open invitation to take your eyes off of your situation and put them on your Savior. And if you don't know him this morning, there's an open invitation to do exactly that as well. Stop living controlled by your affliction and come to trust this man we call Jesus. How will we respond to the life of affliction that we live? Let me remind you of David's exhortation, his encouragement one more time, and it says this, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lion suffers want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord, even in our time of affliction, lack no good thing. Pray with me, church. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you have met us in such a real way that it is not cliche to be honest and open and real about where we are. You love us enough to meet us in our pain and suffering and you provide hope. You never call us to do something that you have not put on display first. You have never called us to do something that you have not put on display first. You show us through your servant David that through his affliction he is able to praise you, to lift your name on high, to exalt you, to run to you, to search for you, to fear you, and you delivered him. So this morning, would we believe as a church in our time of affliction that we could run and we can go to you, that we can search you out, God, that we can live in a fear of you, a respect for you, and our words do not have to be uh, uh, stuck to our affliction, our actions controlled by our afflictions, 
but that we can come to you and you will deliver us. Thank you for the assurance that we have of this as you have given us your son, Jesus Christ, giving us the Holy Spirit as a seal, reminding us that we will make it to the end, not because of who we are and what we're capable of, but because of who you are, God. I pray that this time in this Psalm 34 would be living water to some, a refreshment to a parched soul, a removing of that heavy burden that feels like no one knows what I'm going through. You are more than aware, God. Here we are, Lord. Would we respond the way you call us to respond despite our afflictions, Lord? We pray that all in your mighty name, Jesus, and your church says, amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 930 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.